The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Hello you gorgeous lot and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast Edinburgh Festival Fringe Series 2022. I hope that you're looking after yourselves, staying hydrated, doing whatever you need to do for you and wherever you are in the world, I hope that you are good. Today I chat with Nell Bailey, director of How to Build a Wax Figure. Nell and I talk about so many different things. We talk about the themes of the show, intergenerational love, um, queer love. We discuss the lack of visibility for bi and lesbian characters on both stage and screen. Um, We talk about new writing, developing new work, uh, working in different countries. Also, while we were having a chat, there was somebody else doing a podcast as we were sitting outside in the glorious sunshine of Edinburgh. You will hear the Scottish comedian Susie McCabe. Susie was being interviewed literally at the table next to us and uh, they were having a great chat, but so were Neil and I. You can follow us on all social media, Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty. Send us an email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com. You can follow Louise and I on all social medias. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both the Twitter and the Instagram. And I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and Elaine.Stirrett on Instagram. Remember to like, share, download, subscribe, review the episodes. It really does make such a huge difference. And it means all of our amazing guests get heard by as many people as possible. For today's episode, oh, pfft something fruity whatever I'm in a right fruity mood I'm in at the moment I'm, I keep saying that but um yeah just oh, whatever you fancy I mean if you're into sugary drinks maybe a coca-cola not that we're sponsored by them or an iron brew since you are in Scotland again not sponsored by them but uh, I mean if iron brew want to sponsor us please happy happy days um you can also have a wine cider beer uh, some coffee if you like that oh maybe a little like coffee with a little liqueur in it that's the coffee I can get behind or you know you can always just have a good old cup of tea sit back relax and enjoy um hello lovely listeners and welcome to another episode of the persistent and nasty podcast at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe and I'm I'm outside again so you're going to have a little bit of ambiance we'll go with there's actually another podcast going on just down the table hilarious we're all trying to get some desperate thing of like oh my god the sun is shining in edinburgh it never happens it's usually pissing with rain at the Mm. festival anyway um i am joined today by nell bailey hi nell hiya welcome welcome and we're going to talk about nell's show how to build a wax figure and um first of all just like tell us about the show how did it coming to come into being all of that kind of stuff oh god how did it come into being uh, well it's, it's been a long road with this one actually so we um um oh god see my brain I told no you. it's fine it's good <laughs> we're all in that kind of like beginning of second week festival right and it's honestly like, this is my feel... first fringe and i'm like yeah it's amazing yeah. 
and so tiring. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Everyone, I, and I've seen like people around today and everyone's got a zombie face on. Oh, it's because some people opened on the 3rd, some people opened 4th and 5th, and they were like, what date's today? The 13th. So like we're really only like a week and a bit in, yeah. but it feels like we've been here for a month already. Oh, it does, yeah. yeah my practice <laughs> were like totting up the days. <laughs> no, they've got left and they're like, 18. <laughs> 18 days? How? How? We've been here a year. <laughs> So it's your first experience of the festival? It is my first experience of the oh, festival. Oh, okay, amazing. Yeah, like coming as a punter, bringing a show, anything. This okay, is the first wow, one. Wow, 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 wow. Um, and it's amazing. Yeah. It's like fundamentally incredible. Um, but yeah, just a, a whole a whole whirlwind of, yes. of joy and lack of sleep. Yeah, uh-huh. And all of that good stuff. Oh my God, the sleep thing is just like, and I love my sleep, so I really struggle. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, you can do it. Just fucking power through, power through. And I'm like, oh. No, I need my bed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the end in September and I know. we'll just sleep for like five I days. I don't even have time to do that, but it's fine. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. We always do. Um, so, yeah, tell yes. us about um, how to build a wax figure. For sure, yeah. So, um, the, the play actually came to my theatre company, November Theatre, in January 2021. Um, and me and the writer, Isabella, we met over Zoom. And we workshopped quite an early version of the script, um, which was a lot longer. It had a lot more characters in it. Um, and then Isabella at that time had moved. She's from America. And um, November is set up between the States and the UK and was moving to London and like, was going to do a scratch performance of the show at the Golden Goose Theatre. Um, and she asked me to direct it. And we were like, cool, yeah, let's, let's do the thing. And that was sort of the beginning of it um, when it sort of saw its full shape yeah. for the first time. And then, so we took it from there. We did an R&D at NDT, and then we were programmed at the sadly cancelled Box Festival um, yeah. at the beginning of 2022. Yeah. Um, but we were super lucky. We got picked up by the Pleasants, and so we did a five-night run in London then. Um, and that was sort of testing it out, and we had a, a slightly different cast. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, now this is sort of the big premiere of it up in Scotland um, at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and we're doing a month-long run here. Um, and, yeah, it's sort of like welcoming it into the world. Uh, but it's been a long journey. It's been like a year and a half. A Amazing. year and a half Amazing. worth of yeah. work. It's, like, it's, it's huge, isn't it, really, like to get it up on its feet and get it here. So yeah. um, tell us about this story of uh, how to build a wax figure. I'd, sorry, I had a total panic that wasn't recording there and I was like, <laughs> oh God, poor Nell's going to have to listen to me repeat myself. Anyway, continue on. <laughs> I'd listen all day. Do oh, not worry. Thank you. Um, so yeah, the show is about um, ocularists and anatomical wax figure sculptors, uh, which is a whole niche world. Wow of art and science and people who make fake eyes and fake bodies for a living. Um, and that's sort of like the world of the play and, and the metaphor of the play. Um, but the, the story in it is it's about a young woman called Bee who is about to give a lecture at the Welcome Collection about her, her job as an ocularist. And she's caught between memory and the present day as she sorts through um, her memories of a relationship she had with her mentor, um, who was a much older woman who lived next door. Um, so we've been described as a rom-com. Okay. Um, which I will take, honestly. Um, <laughs> but it's sort of a coming-of-age queer love story, looking at how our first relationships stay with us and they mould who we are and how mm. we hold on to them and when eventually we need to let them go. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, that's that. And really beautiful. Yeah, it's sweet. It's a very lyrical, lovely story. Yeah. 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 And um, the inspiration for it, like, um, is it based on anyone's life or someone that anybody knew? Like, that kind of, you know, younger women, older women relationship? 
mm. especially in um, the lesbian world is a yeah. real big thing it's a real like it's a real thing that you know. Yeah, it happens a lot. I, yeah. I mean, as it does in kind of like in all... relationships, yeah. Yeah, in all sexual relationships and encounters. And, like, I, I love this play because I think we don't get a lot of that representation yeah. in space. You know, we've got, like, Call Me By Your Name and a whole load of other um, conversations around, like, what that is for gay male relationships mm-hmm. and not something we often talk about with between women. And, like, also... I think often we can look at two female relationships, uh, two women in a relationship and an all-female relationship and it can be very soft mm-hmm. and it can be very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can think things are okay in mm-hmm. a way that we might not in other power spaces. Yeah. Um, particularly, you know, in this play, it's um, all about them learning together and, yeah. and one of them teaching the other how to do this this craft. And um, I think it's very easy to slip into a world of like, this is just a really lovely relationship and yeah. not to question the power dynamics within it. Yeah. Um, to whatever degree that is right or wrong. Um, and I don't think that came out of direct inspiration from uh, Isabella, the writer's life, I, I, um, as far as I know. She may be yet to tell me in our uh, two years of, of quite dear friendship now, um, but was inspired by encounters she did have and crushes she did have um, sort of growing up. Yeah. Um, and and things she's heard and yeah. and the more I speak to friends and colleagues and learn about their relationships, it's something that is quite common mm-hmm. um, within the queer scene. Yeah, I think it's really um, important as well because there is such a a lack um, of visibility of lesbian relationships mm. on stage and on screen, also by relationships as well. Yeah, like there's, huge. A, there's a huge lack of that. I think I think and. It, for me, and I wonder if for Isabella as well, if it's just that lack of representation of these mm. stories, because actually love is love. Love is love. Right? Yeah. It doesn't really matter where, who you are, what, where you sit in the gender spectrum, where you live, mm-hmm. what religion you have. Mm-hmm. Love is love. And mm-hmm. I think it's so important that that keeps getting shown, especially in the world we're living in right now, where things yeah. feel like we're starting to kind of go backwards a little bit. Oh, 100%. 100%. And that's so important to Isabella and I. And, like, why we both love this play and, and what I'll talk about kind of to the end of my days is that um, it feels so important that the reason this relationship does or doesn't work is because of where these two people are in life and not because they don't love each other and not because it's quote-unquote wrong. You can, like, come away and make your own decision about how it, how it sat with you and how you felt about it. And also that we've put queerness on stage and it's absolutely vital to who all these characters are but we're not sinking into the trauma of that or what it means to come out or like make it that's not the reason that this play is here it's a byproduct of this love story that's there and has just come very much from the lived experiences of myself the writer other people we know yeah it's so important yeah it's just and i'm so glad that it's here at the festival and you know hopefully Mm. like um you'll get the people that will give it another life and mm. all of that because I think it's so um, are you having a lot of young queer people coming to see it? Yeah we are which is wonderful and also not Yeah, you know like lots of older folk and um, lots of straight couples um, we fly like some I'm not going to assume anyone's sexuality or gender mm. uh, but what looked like some very straight men um, <laughs> the other day coming there was like five of them and um, I left and like one of them was like shedding a tear and they'd like been laughing the whole way through and like seemed to have had lovely time and um that feels really important but it's the power of art, right? totally like, totally yeah. it like transcends like your your type or yeah. your kind of like audience demographic yeah. 
Um, that said, though, it's been really wonderful to, to have a young queer audience in, or just like a, an age range as well, because it is about an age gap relationship and, and people being um, moved and saying, like, that, that feels like my life. Yes. I see myself mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt really good yeah. to feel seen. And, and that's what we want to do. And I think that's often what you want to do with theatre yeah. is, is give people a voice and give people a space to see themselves. Absolutely. Mm. And I really think it's important that age gap relationships are shown in that way because, you mm. know, there's so many um, cliches about age gaps, gap relationships. Totally. It definitely comes from the heteronormative world. Like, you yeah. know, like it absolutely does. But actually even in the heteronormative world of age gaps with gap relationships, there's so many complexities and beauties in that mm. that aren't always shown. It's like, so it's, I think it's so important that that gets shown because the beauty of an age gap relationship is just two people who have something in common, like any other couple, mm. that they find something in each other that is attractive mm. or that... That spark that you get, that little click, that mm. feeling inside that the age shouldn't come into it. Because mm. it's other people's, I wonder, yeah, for for people who you've spoken to and things like that, how they feel in the relationship. Because people I know who are in age gap relationships, I mean, myself, it tends to be other people who have mm. the issues mm. and not the couple themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. there's a really beautiful line at the end of the play where um, the, these characters kind of reconcile about quite a few years after they've broken up and, um, and B, the, the younger one, um, says to Margot, like, um, please don't apologise because it makes things between us seem wrong mm. and it wasn't all bad. Like, a lot of it was horribly bad but some of it was wonderfully, incredibly good yeah. and that just speaks to all relationships. Mm-hmm. Some of it's bad and some of it's good. Yeah. Um, and, like... I think there's something interesting in this play, right, because she's, B's like 17 when they meet and it's like, what is legality? Mm. And like, and that gets weaponized at some point during the play and I think that's something we can't avoid in conversations and will make some people uncomfortable but I, I agree, I think it's a lot of assumptions that come in and it's interesting, I've never ever directed this play of like, we need to show that this is icky or this is right or this is wrong. I've always been like, they love each other and they fall in love and that's what we need to make. And that's and people will take away from it what they take away from it, but these people found love together. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's. I, I love that because it's so that conversation about legality and like you know mm. that situation is, it's a really important one, obviously, and you know you can have situations where people are manipulated and mm. used and all of that, but there's also the relationships where it is just about love. Yeah, or when you get given a lot from that relationship mm. um, and that you find a passion or you find work or you feel unleashed as a different kind of person. Yeah. Um, and there, I think we forget about the gifts our relationships give us a lot of the time. We look back on the trauma of what happened or the pain yeah. um, instead of seeing like every meeting and every encounter as, as a gift and as a blessing um, that we will will grow within them and we will give some of ourselves for something in return. <laughs> Absolutely gorgeous, like so good. Somebody's just, um, I'm just gonna let this lady just come and have a little seat. Oh, I love her bag. I love her bag also. Yeah. Very much. Okay. Um, so, Neil, tell me about your um, 
pathway into the industry? Yeah. Um, well, I, like everyone, started... Not everyone, but most people started as an actor. Yeah. Um, which I was doing from when I was a very little kid, um, okay. mainly because I wanted attention. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Say, oh no, I don't want attention. I'm like, fucking bullshit. We all want attention. That's why we're doing this. Let's yeah. we put ourselves through this absolute fucking shit show. I know. Because it's great because at the end of the day, someone will clap me <laughs> and give me flowers. Yeah. Great, fucking love it. Um, yeah, so I, I, started, I started as an actor and then. Um, when I popped out of uni, I um, was kind of like struggling to, to work. Um, and I got a scholarship to go to school in the States. So I was living out in America and I wasn't a citizen and I couldn't join equity. So I was, yeah, just like struggling to find work. Yeah. Um, and at that time, me and a mate from, from uni, um, a wonderful director called Britt Burke, um, had decided that we really wanted to put on a show. Mm-hmm. And to do that, we had to form a theatre company, so we did. And we put on the show, and um, that's sort of how I got into producing, and that's mm-hmm. sort of how that started. And at the same time, I was doing a bit of um, shadowing at the Worcester Group. Which, uh, oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. An old like, experimental theatre company in New York, um, which was really great, and they worked in a way I hadn't really seen before, mm-hmm. and it was just really cool to like sit and listen to Liz LeCompte tell all these mad old stories of like Willem Dafoe and yeah. um, making theatre back in the day and happenings and stuff like that. Yeah. Anywho, that all, all was sort of happening, and I still did not know at all what I wanted to do with my life, and then the global pandemic happened. <laughs> Um, and I was like, thank fuck, because I just want to sit on my own, like, read some books and maybe figure out what I want to do yeah. um, for a little bit. I was feeling, very, honestly, like, very, very lost. And um, it was during that time, because we had November, we were doing a lot of readings and workshops, um, and I'd been producing them, and um, Brit or other resident directors were directing, and it gave me quite a safe space to go, like, I, I just quite like to give this directing thing a go. Yeah. Um, can I, like, learn off you and, and just, like, try it out? And... You know when you do something, you're like, oh fuck, I love this. Yeah. I, I I love this. I care about this. I want I want to get better at this. Yeah. Um, and it just sort of started there, which is mad. I think it's a mad thing to say. I became a theatre director in the pandemic when there was no theatre. <laughs> um, but that's kind of, I guess, what I did. And there was yeah. lots of online stuff and and the national loads of online stuff, which was yeah, great. Which was great, yeah, absolutely. It was such a saving grace. And I mean, honestly, like shout out to the National Youth Theatre because um, I moved back to the UK and I didn't really have a network of people yeah. anymore. And they were doing so much about like artist meetups and Zoom yeah. meetups and workshops and free programs. And it was like just saved me and, and gave me a lot of space to meet people and try yeah. new things. And that's sort of how that, that happened. And since then, have been making work and working with Isabella and, and sort of making stuff with other spaces and yeah. starting to assist and, and learn as, as we go, really. Amazing. Yeah, Amazing. and that's sort of me. <laughs> Amazing. Did you set up November yourself? Yeah. For yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mine and um, Brit Burke. That's sort of Amazing. our company. Yeah. Amazing. And um, that's also really exciting to have your own control, right? Mm. I mean, also terrifying. Yeah, as everything is, right? I think like living and breathing is terrifying a lot of the time. Definitely. I mean, this world is terrifying a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly. But it's it's a great space. I love November because we're emerging writers. Um, or a new writing theatre company, um, which is uh, what I love doing. I worked in script development for quite a while. Yeah. Um, and so working with new writing and dramaturgy is, like, super exciting to me. Um, and then we also are trying to champion emerging artists because, like, the pandemic showed us how hard it is yeah. to emerge and to start. And so everything we do is at least 40% emerging artists. Amazing. Um, and that just feels... 
it feels great. It means we're always meeting new people and, and chatting to new people and um, hopefully giving people some help into an industry that was like hard for us to get into yeah. to begin with as well. Yeah, yeah, and this industry is so hard, I think, as well. Like, there's so many, um, there's so many preconceived ideas of being in a, this industry, and I think if you're from certain backgrounds, it's a bit easier. Mm. Um, but if you're from other backgrounds, it's really fucking hard. Yeah. And if you don't have connections already, like if your family doesn't have connections, or you've not mm. made those connections, or you didn't go to the right quote-unquote drama school, it's it's a tough slog. Mm. It's a really tough slog. And um, I think it's important that people hear that, understand that, and know the amount of work that goes into making a piece of theatre, yeah. making your theatre company, making creating new writing, mm. um, but also giving a space to let other people experiment and have mm. fun and play and create I think is really brilliant so well done you guys thanks we're trying we're trying and it's like it's a game as much as anything else in like trying to find funding and space for that and I've got so much respect for like NDT at the moment opening up like closing their doors to producing theatre to open up space for like some blue sky thinking for emerging artists and um, I think if we can have more of that in the industry yeah. that's really necessary mm. because you're right like I mean look at Fringe Festival it's amazing to be here and I'm fucking loving it but it's hard to get here and yeah. it's not inclusive in that way because it's so expensive yeah. and I know people have been writing and talking about it a lot this year a lot this year yeah, yeah. and it feels really important that that's part of the conversation and you know it was really touch and go whether we were going to get the show up here as it was for a lot of companies um and find I'm you know I'm not sure I have all the answers to that but finding a way that we can open space and make it easier for people to come up for people to make theatre in the first place um, is really necessary to telling diverse good interesting beautiful stories yeah absolutely I think there has been loads of chat this year already um, like and like I say we're only in like day nine or whatever it is yeah um, already about the lack of the, the oversaturation yeah and the really big venues and companies that have kind of stopped it from being able to those of us who maybe aren't from really super rich backgrounds mm. and can't afford to support ourselves mm. like getting here so you're we're missing out on stuff mm. or people are putting themselves in a huge amount of debt mm. just to get here and that's not that's not what art should be mm. that's not what theatre yeah. should be theatre should be an experience and uh creativity and a joy between yeah. an audience and the performers and the creative team and the mm. rehearsal, all of that. I mean, yeah. I'm freaking, I'm like, everybody should love everybody. Let's all <laughs> honestly, yeah. honestly though. Yeah, but, yeah. so but I just, I kind of really hope that, because um, I've seen a lot of people struggling this year and it's really like, it's mm. hurting my heart. Yeah. And I'm just like, I really hope that the festival in itself takes a little look at what it needs to do um, to redress the balance I think mm. is really important yeah I agree because it's you can't spread the joy and have yes. that kind of open creativity if you're worried that you can't pay your rent exactly um, I saw someone put a tweet out the other day being like how am I meant to be a freelance director with a £300 energy bill so it's like Again, we're like the world around us is yes. a hostile environment to everyone at the yeah. moment financially, and particularly yeah. if you're like theatre's never really been lucrative. No, <laughs> um, but not if it's at risk of destitution. Yeah. Um, and alongside that, it can that. kill our art. It can kill our art form. Yeah. Right? Because 
or it then just makes it completely accessible to only those that can really afford it and those that can really afford to go and train and or not train but decide they want to do this and we lose out on so much and so many stories and actually what I think audiences want is to see themselves represented yeah. and know that they're not alone yeah. and to go, oh my god, there's my life or that's a bit of my life, like you were saying mm. you've had people come and go, that's a bit and I can totally like um, connect with that and that's what that's the beauty of theatre and film mm. and all of that um, so tell me uh, you're working with an all-female non-binary team we are, yeah how is that going? Oh my god, great! Yes, it's it's I just fantastic. <laughs> of course, I, I like to uh, tell the story of the first time we did the show at um, the Pleasants. We had two men who ended up being involved in the process. Um, one of them um, was someone that um, I was seeing at the time who um, gave me the flu, and then that populated around the cast and got everyone really sick. Um, and th- that was not good. And then the second one um, was a man who moved our our, st- our set from um, the rehearsal rooms to the venue and he broke two pieces on the way. Um, and that that was the influence of men in our process. And we were like, flu right. and broken set. Flu and broken set. Um, so that didn't go well. Um, <laughs> let's put it like that. Um, we've had no men involved this time and it's gone great. Um, no, I'm not, I'm not necessarily speaking out um, in that way to say that. No, I know. <laughs> we, you know, we all know some great men out there but we're just yeah. you know um yeah. yeah no but no it's been it's really dreamy it's really wonderful and it's a female and non-binary led story well it's a it's a female story i should say because all of the the women um the characters are women um although we've previously done this show with two non-binary actors in the lead role and um what feels really great and really exciting as well is that we talk a lot about like these journey and education um that happens in kind of the gap in it mm-hmm. and um would love to develop the role as well so like because there's something really interesting about queerness in the show as well because we're looking at two slightly different generations and our different experiences of what that is is sort of like looking at from from my generational perspective of everything being very gender fluid and and queerness being really reclaimed and that's still sort of within Margot's world but slightly further away and so what is B's potential kind of gender journey as well Um, and where does she sit at the end of the play when she's 24 versus when she's 17 and exploring herself for the first time um, and that's definitely a future in the show that feels really important and it's part of the conversations we've been having in the room um, but yeah I mean it's just been dreamy it's just been dreamy it's like just run really well and been really organised and I love it <laughs> I mean literally everybody I ever speak to and it's been a non-binary all-female um, cast creative crew just team it, everybody's like it's gorgeous it's just like there's a safety in it there's a security a, a sense of you can play and make mistakes and it's all it's all going to be okay um that's not to say that there aren't rooms with men where that is possible because I mean, there are um but it's always the preconceived idea that a group of women and mm-hmm. go well they hate each other and fight and all of that and it's like fucking patriarchy is no. bullshit oh yeah so dark. We, I've never been in like squishier more loving more supportive rooms yeah. than when it's only women and non-binary people yeah absolutely I'm, I'm the same yeah I'm like, it's lovely I just want to live my life like that thanks very much oh my god it's so great yeah. we've been saying so we're all living together as well and um, we've just started calling it the commune oh yeah 
Yes. And it's so nice. We cook together. We look after each other. Like, people have gotten a bit poorly at different times during Fringe. And my God, like, they come home. Someone's stocked it up. Someone's cleaned the kitchen. Someone else has got the Barocca on. Like, someone else is making soup. Someone else is like, who needs a back rub? Like, it's just lovely. We've, like... come and see. Oh, my God, honestly, come. Barony Street, we're around. Um, Come join the commune. Oh, I want it. Yeah, it's so lovely. You sold me on back rub. I was like, yeah, great. Yeah, great. Excellent. (laughs) Honestly, it's the most affectionate I've had in ages. It's fantastic. (laughs) I know, I I do just think it's brilliant and really great. And um, so... Remind everybody where the show is on at. So we're on at Assembly George Square in Studio 4. I'll repeat that, that's Studio 4. Um, And we're on at 12.55 pretty much every day. We've got the next two Tuesdays off. Okay. Um, And we're also doing on Sunday, so this Sunday tomorrow, and um, which is the 14th, and uh, Sunday the 21st, we're doing relaxed performances, uh, details of which of how we're adjusting um, are on our website because we know all relaxed performances aren't suitable for everybody. Um, But just, you can have a little read there. There's a pack about what we are doing and if that's That's suitable to your needs. Oh, I love that. That's really, that's amazing. Thank you. That's just brilliant. And thank you for doing that as well, because I think, like, that kind of gets forgotten about sometimes as well. Like, um, like spaces, accessibility during the festival, because everybody's so desperate to break even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that idea of making sure that we can create a safe space and not completely ableist space mm-hmm. yeah, is really important. Yeah, I think it's I think it's essential to yeah. making theatre that it's accessible and that people can see it. You know, like so much of what we've been talking about is we want people to see themselves on stage and for people to be able to access theatre. And if they can't literally get through a door or hear it or see how are we supposed to continue making work with that as our intention um and we're we as a company we're always learning you know and um you're Staff right like right you're like it's same for us as well yeah yeah and it's not perfect and i think we're just trying to listen and like everything we're doing is like please give us feedback let us learn for next time um figuring out you know like how we make sure like it's prioritized in our budget and we're just trying to do the best we can and make it better every time yeah brilliant great and oh my god so many other people really need to be following that model like just learning yeah. not be defensive about it yeah I think that's so much of what the past few years in terms of like our political conversations have, mm. have really emphasised is like do the learning yes. do the reading oh do the learning do the listening and, and change and that's fine you know it's the stubbornness or the unwillingness to bend well that's it right isn't it there's so many people and I think there's probably something that comes from that of not wanting to give up your space at the table yeah um, or you th- assume you're going to have to give up your space at the table when actually all we're asking you to do is move down a little bit mm-hmm. yeah 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 we're not asking you to leave we're just asking you to make the table longer yeah um, and I mean like I know for us as persistent and asking me as mm. a human like I make mistakes, I'll say the wrong thing at the wrong time, or, you know, I catch myself with that ingrained misogyny, mm. or, like, all those, like, social constructs that fuck with us yeah. so much, and it's like, you're unlearning and unpicking it, but as long as you're doing it with a, a, a good intention, and mm. you're trying your best, I think, really, that's all we can ask for, and you learn from the mistakes, right? You yeah. You just keep repeating it. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not enough to go, oh, sorry, I made a mistake, and then fucking repeat it again. Yeah. Like, that's not enough. And this industry, our society, can be really um, guilty of that, mm-hmm. I think. And um, I really love that you've been that way. Oh. the glass. Yeah. Thank you. At least it's uh, now and not 5am outside your window. Oh, yeah. 
no A is in it. And they come along. Oh, God. Why are they doing that to you? We're like, guys, we've got to show them. I know. People, come on. Um, but yeah, I do really love that you are being that open, and I think it's super important. And again, I think that is it's definitely. I'm back. Um, it's also a generational thing, and it's something that I notice a lot with your generation. You're so much more open to these conversations. And I just want to go, God, can everybody just take a little second and listen to them and just like fucking do it? I feel like it's just getting better with each generation, you know, like um, I'm, I'm an absolute technophobe. And then so when every like young person was on TikTok and I was just like, what? And then it's like, oh, no, there's actually great learning that's happening there. And these are like yeah. fabulous listeners and like young activists and just yes. incredible, incredible people doing work at like 14, 15. And just they're so inclusive in the rooms I get to go into as a facilitator now with like really young teenagers and like they're so good at listening and carving space for one another and you know like allowing themselves to be wrong yeah and I'm like oh that's just that makes my heart really happy yeah, me too. and like excited for the future which can otherwise sometimes look a bit bleak oh my god me too I'm always like I'm so glad they are coming up like I'm so there that generation is the ones that are on their way yeah totally like, because that makes me have faith that we're going to survive this fucking like shit show that is on its way or what apocalypse or whatever I'm like I have total faith yeah in the younger generations yeah and um yeah just just bloody brilliant mm. um so Neil, tell me what you want everybody to what would you like your audience to get from the show when they when they leave what do you want them to feel think i hope they felt moved <laughs> in some way like yeah. moved to laugh moved to cry can i think that everyone like sees see some part of themselves in it which that yeah. comes back to what we were talking about earlier and just that like what it is to form connection mm. with somebody else and if there's a part of this play that like just hits you and goes oh that's I've had that I've held that yeah. I've carried that then that yeah. that means something huge to me um I hope that they I hope it's a brain tickler like I hope I hope it's a bit of a like something where where you'll sit with it and like think about maybe not a word even as big as ethics but just yeah. like how do I hold my opinions around this mm. Um, how would I talk to somebody else I found in this situation? Um, I think if we can can bring that forward, then that then the show's done a good job. Um, and just, I think I, I hope, and I, I've noticed this in watching loads of shows at the Fringe and everything's an hour, you know, and you get used to it. I hope it's held them. I hope it's held them for an hour and they've got lost in this world um, and that they've really gone on that journey with B and with Margot and with Dana um, and that, you know, it, there wasn't ever a point that they got pushed away and started thinking about the shopping. And I think if, if it's held them and it's captivated them and the story's been clear to them, then then I've done a good job and we've done a good job. Amazing, I love it. Yeah. yeah I love it. And what is your hopes, plans for yourself and November Theatre over the next coming year? Oh, my God. Uh, well, we've got lots, probably too many, too many plans. We've got a couple of other little shows that we're, we're rumbling up. Um, and and kind of like pitching forwards and then sort of like hoping to bring Wax Figure um, either on tour or back down to London. That would be really, really great. Um, so, yeah, there's been some, some fun chat, so we'll see. Um, and then meet, and meeting new artists um, and bringing some like new storytellers into the company and R&Ding some new work would be really, really 
fab. Um, and, and yeah, just uh, so there's a submit page on our website. If you've got any <laughs> fresh ideas or you want to look for new collaborators, come along, norththeatre.com. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And you're based in London, yeah? I am, yeah. I'm based in London and then Brits in New York. So we're sort of, trans- we're a transatlantic company. Transatlantic. Little old darling. And we're trying to find new ways to tell stories across borders. Um, so be that digitally or in person. If you've got an idea for us, come our way. Love it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the way the world's going to go, and it's and it's important because actually we all just need to be connected in so many ways. Yeah. And it's the beauty of again theatre and art and all of that. Yeah. Um, so now mm. I'm going to ask you the final question. Oh, okay. Okay. Juicy. Juicy. <laughs> so um, we're called persistent in this. I'm loving how I'm loving how much fun they're having. I know they're having such a good time. So, Honestly, competing with our good time. I mean. I'm obviously. Nell <laughs> um, Bailey, mm-hmm. what does the phrase persistent and nasty mean to you? Um, it means continuing against the shitstorm of everything else. Um, it means owning your shit. Like, nasty to me means owning your shit and, like, not not taking other people's flack. And also, like, being able to take up space. Um, and I, I, I'm still learning that, you know, and to be able to go, like to say no, um, to be able to tell people how you want it done um, and not worrying that they are going to not like you and not striving to be liked but striving to be respected as we should be. Oh, my God. That's what that means to me, I I think. I fucking love it. Great. (laughs) And thank you so much for the work you're doing with the podcast and, like, championing our voices and and it just, yeah, it's fab. We love it. So thank you for having me on. It's a real treat. Oh, no, it's actually so lovely to meet you and it's so great to have you here. Um, Nell Bailey, thank you so much uh, for coming and chatting to me and let everybody make sure you get yourself along to Assembly of George Square Studio 4 4, um, for how to build a wax figure Um, and until next time, lovely listeners stay stay nasty. nasty